four days off no. for Romano is probably not not ideal. The mustache ideal. dries out. Uh, <laughs> if if they're going to start paying attention to guys Josh Donaldson is jawing with and using that to throw people <laughs> out of the game, to, there's going to be no game pretty soon. Like yeah, everybody's yeah. gone. It's, it's yeah. Just... You, you guffawed as, if, as though you do not regularly balance your chakras. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to episode number 235 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we only give hand massages upon request. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight by very special guest, the indubitable Nick Dyka. Nick, how's it going? Good, good. I'm glad I still get very special guest billing because I feel like uh, I pop up from consistently enough that, uh, yeah. I, okay. I, Remind me next time and you will be somewhat special guest, Nick Dyka. Yeah, yeah. Josh uh, Josh got ejected, so that's that's why I'm here. Uh, it wasn't his fault, though. I just want to be clear. He was just yapping from the bench and before we knew it, he was out of the game. Uh, all right. Kevin Gaussman uh, is the first thing we're probably going to talk about because he was great. And I like to open with a bang. Um, then we're going to talk about Ross, Stri Ross Stripling and Jordan Romano and Jose Barrios. Uh, none of those are going to be quite as happy. Uh, is it is it the fault of the baseball? Uh, you and I can debate that. Or maybe we're on the same side. You Stick around and find out, folks. Santiago Espinal is the best hitter on the Blue Jays, and that's great for Santiago Espinal and not great for the Blue Jays. Um, we'll sort of look at the last week in hitting and, and maybe dissect what's gone wrong, um, including with Teoscar Hernandez, uh, who came back from rehab and, <clears throat> well, yeah. Uh, there was an exciting bit of baseball mixed into the Jays' abysmal losses where people just got tossed left and right. Uh, I don't think that was really on the Jays. I feel like that was more on the umpires. We have, of course, your questions. We'll have a chit-chat about whether this is all worth getting worked up about or whether we should just skip a couple weeks of podcasts. Uh, yeah, and we'll get it going from there. So, yes, Kevin Gaussman. Um, let's start with the bad news, Nick. Do you, do, you, do you want to break the bad news to the people who weren't watching his start this week? Um, no. You break the bad news. Okay, he. Walks, I, I'm not here often enough to. He to walked someone, folks. Everybody, just go and have a have an alcoholic beverage, pour one out for the walk. The four bases on balls. He did it with two out, with nobody on base. <laughs> like, there's no reason for him to walk the guy, but he walked the guy. <clears throat> now give him the good news. He's still really good, um, and it looks like. Uh, he's settling very nicely into back into the AL East, which I think was kind of a concern for some people uh, when the Jays signed him because he wasn't obviously very successful with the Orioles, but he was a different pitcher then, and the pitcher he is now has been mowing people down. Yeah, he continues to do so. Um, six hits and a walk over his six and a third this week um, with five strikeouts. The big 1.42 ERA in that start. I would take that every day of the month and twice on every day of the week and twice on Sundays. I think is the way we say that. Yeah, it's it's wild. All his like kind of like ERA estimator stats, like FIP and things like that, they're lower than his ERA, um, which is pretty because, crazy. Be, because FIP incorporates walks, right? And he doesn't walk anybody. That's right. Yeah, so FIP is like or give up home be. runs. Yeah, which is also FIP incorporates. 
So yeah. essentially, Vip is trying to project off of his strikeout rate alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, ATW should do a uh, like a contest of when will he give up his first home run. Um, oh my God! Cursed yeah. contest ever. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, we would we would get so much flack for that. I, did, did you see Dan Schulman tweet that he was worried that people were going to blame him for the first walk because he you know oh, would right. have, to, have to say it at some point in the broadcast? Yeah, yeah. No, it was a uh, it was a historic run of of, co- of control pitching by by Gossman. Um, yeah, and hopefully, you know, I think it it goes almost without saying he's not this good. You know, nobody can get through a season pitching pitching like this. Um, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be very good. And you know, right now it's looking like, you know, he's going to be the ace of the Jays staff, and you know, they made the right decision signing him over Robbie Ray, who's you know, struggled in Seattle. His velocity's down. Um, yeah, it's. It's all roses when it comes to Kevin Gossman, I think. Um, yeah. Now we have to move on to the rest of the rotation. Uh, we're going to highlight <laughs> Jose Barrios first, I think. Or I, I highlight the right word. <laughs> I've watched... Identify Jose Barrios. Yeah, we've identified him. Here he is. Um, I've watched a good chunk of his starts. And he was, I mean, he was summarily awful on opening day. And, and obviously that's not really up for debate at all. But every time I watch him for two or three innings, I can't really detect the thing that's not going well for him until there's runs on the board. Like, yeah. Do you, do you see, like, is it obvious to you what he's not doing right? No. And um, I don't really get it. Uh, well, yeah, said another way. Um, you know, he's throwing as hard as he normally throws. Um, you know, he's had a little bit more trouble giving up home runs but you know this early in the season again you take away that start in texas his home run rates probably pretty similar it is is pretty pretty confusing in terms of of what's happening with him i'm not sure if he's changed his pitch mix at all this year and that might be contributing to it a little bit um you know my kind of like Unless something's getting classified differently, it looks like he might be throwing his slider much more often. But yeah, it's 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 really hard to know. Um, the you know maybe the baseball has something to do with it, um, or the fact that you know they're not supposed to be using sticky stuff. That said, pitching across baseball seems to be benefiting from uh, the new ball more than it's causing people problems. So, you know what? It's May 12th. I'm going to, I'm going to bet whatever it is, he's going to be able to figure it out um, and get back to being kind of, you know, the pitcher the Jays need him to be. Yeah. I mean, there was no swing and miss in his first start since we, we last podcasted. Um, And then in the second start against the Yankees, it looked like, you know, he had eight swings and misses through, I think it was, uh, eight batters, something like that. So, you know, it, that was going back, you know, sort of trended in the right direction. But nevertheless, you've got, you got 11 runs on the board in just 10 innings. So, wow. Uh, obviously, it's another guy who you need to right the ship and not just give you innings, but give you quality innings where you're you're still in the ballgame. Um, because he, this bullpen is 
struggling to paper over the problems that happen when starters leave early or give up runs uh, while they wait for the offense to do something. Yeah, and historically, he's been one of the guys who you really can count on to go deeper into games uh, and and not get kind of knocked around early. So I think, yeah, all you can do is kind of just give him more time to to work out whatever it is that's causing him problems. And, you know, fingers crossed, next time we talk about this, he's, he's looking better. Yeah. Um, which brings us to Ross Stripling, who had a job, and we, we complimented <laughs> him on it last week, and I feel like maybe there's, uh, you know, the, eventually the bell rang and, and Ross was not able to answer it. His job has been to get two times through the order without things going horribly, and um, he he just he got two times through the order and things went horribly. Uh, do you think that Hyunjun Ryu's return, which is happening on Saturday, we might add, um, and this is we're recording this on Thursday night, uh, which is definitely happening on Saturday, barring any strange work uh, act of God. Uh, do you think that's going to be an improvement over the stripling situation uh, overall? Yeah, I mean, I think the hope would would be that Ryu is closer to the form he had, you know, in 2020 and 2021 than how he's looked so far in 2022. The other thing with putting Ryu back into rotation is it does give the bullpen a little more length in that you have a guy who can go two or three innings if need be. And some of that, again, heavy workload is is put on stripling in a bullpen role, which I think is also helpful. Um so you know, that's the hope. You know, yeah. Ryu hasn't looked good though. Um, but I, I think I think the first couple starts you definitely see Stripling, um, you know, right behind Ryu at the first sign of trouble. Um, yeah, and I would and much not... rather have a Ross Stripling following up than a Trent Thornton. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not particularly disappointed with with what Stripling has kind of given the team so far. I think that's kind of what you can expect, you know, when you have like a swing guy like him, he's, you know, if he can give you four and a half ERA baseball, like that's, I think, I think a fair, a fair thing to expect because the fact is if Stripling was a guy who could go out there and, you know, keep runs off the board at like a three ERA clip, he, he wouldn't be a swing man, right? He'd, he'd be a starter. Um, so I think, I think what's, what happens is it's more about, when Stripling gets exposed and he does again, have to take on a full-time starting role for a long time. That's when things get, get difficult for him. So, you know, hopefully Ryu can slot back into that rotation and they won't have to worry about, uh, having to stretch, uh, Stripling out and have him make, you know, 15 more starts this year. Yeah. I, and I'm uh, obviously 23 innings is not the sample size that I'm going to base anything on, but it's interesting that Ross Stripling is a 53.3% ground ball um, pitcher this year. And over the last two years, he's been at 35 and 39%. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, more balls on the ground is never a bad thing though. Um, no, they no, won't do too I, much I, damage. Yeah. It's, 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 it goes hand in hand with his home run rate being down, which is why he's looked so nice as the ball that leaves the yard very um, I, I think Jordan Romano is the other, uh, big, I don't want to call him a question mark because he's done, he's done 90% of the time. He's done exactly what the Blue Jays have asked of him. And it's been a very intense workload 
But the two times that he's blown a save, wow, has he blown a save. Yeah, and you know what? This is this is one of those uh, topics I wish we had Josh here for because uh, when he gave up the three-run homer to Judge uh, in Yankee Stadium two days ago, I could not – like he was throwing slider after slider after slider, and I have no idea why he wasn't throwing his fastball, um, but it was kind of confounding to me. Uh, you know, as as an amateur fan watcher, like why he wasn't throwing more fastballs um, because he's got a very good fastball. It is thrown very hard. And um, yeah, so that's kind of confusing to me. Hopefully, you know, nothing's bothering him or anything like that. But well, I'm, I'm more worried about that than the fact that he he blew a save because. Yeah, didn't he have what was it like twenty five in a row or some twenty nine? He set he set the the franchise record, but I mean he squeaked by by the skin of his teeth a couple of times before that blown save in Houston, um, which was also a three run home run, ironically. Uh, I yeah, I find the rather mysterious pitch sequencing um, really funny because not only does he throw slider after slider after slider. He'll also get in a rut where he throws fastball after fastball after fastball. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like he just gets tired of throwing one pitch. And then yeah. doesn't sequence. He just switches to the other pitch, which I can imagine yeah. that um, that if that becomes the book on Jordan Romano, he's going to have a lot more problems closing games because guys will know that after three of something, you can maybe sit on a fourth or fifth one without worrying too much. And that's... I mean, that's a silly way to be able to be taken advantage of as a closer. Maybe Pitchcom was broken. I don't know. <laughs> Pitchcom just keeps saying the same error. Yeah, yeah that must. Yeah. I just I'll throw the slider again. Um, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't worry about him yet. I mean, what's he? What's he thrown? Eleven, twelve innings this year. Um, yeah, they've just been every other night. Um, I, <laughs> yeah. I think he's actually better when he throws every other night. But, I mean, you can't do that every season. But four days off no. for Romano is probably not not ideal. The mustache ideal. dries out. Uh, <laughs> he's got to get it moistened up with uh, with a little sweat from the mound or whatever it is yeah. he uses that isn't sticky stuff. Totally not. Never use sticky stuff again on the ball. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I hope he is the best closer in baseball for the, the rest of the year. But but um, <clears throat> that slider that he hung to judge was... was uh, you hang them, they bang them. Um, mm. Territory, yeah, absolutely. He, he didn't have any control that night. I mean, he walked, what was it, the eight and nine hitters in the order or the nine one hitters? Like, um, yep, nine one. Yeah, he was fighting it. And then, uh, yeah, times the, the judge judges you. I'm going to flip over <laughs> to the hitting side, and I'm going to read you last week's weighted runs created for Blue Jays regulars. Uh, WRC plus, that is. 211. 160, 162, 166, 121. Uh, we're going pretty good so far, aren't we? Like yeah. That's, yeah, we're doing great. Those 74, big fat numbers. minus 33, minus 18, minus 5, minus 12. That covers 10. 10 Ooh, who is minus 33? <laughs> uh, guy, you might have heard of him. Uh, he was hurt for a bit. He's uh, Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, plays right field. Yeah. Teoscar Hernandez struck out in 53.3% of his plate appearances this week. It'll happen. Um, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I know I'm going to sound like a broken record by the end of this, but yeah, he's just getting back. 
it was the weather was not great in Cleveland last weekend. Uh, you know, a lot of things I think you could chalk up to just a difficult stretch. And and again, over a course of three games, like, like Vlad has had stretches where he's, you know, he strikes out four times in a game and stuff and stuff like that. So I wouldn't sweat it too much. I think the fact that Tay Oscar is back is just a huge net positive for, for the Jays lineup. And, you know, you give him a little t- time to get acclimated again and, and he'll be great. I would take issue with you there uh, that he would have needed a day or two in the minors, but presumably the two guys who would have been playing uh, in the outfield, you know, instead of Teoscar Hernandez are Rymel Tapia and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., whose WRC plus are both underwater for the last week. Yeah, so as I well. don't have an argument. Um, and we know Bradley Zimmer can't hit. So yeah, Matt Chapman is in that mix as well. Uh, he is the second worst hitter on the team. Mm-hmm. Matt Matt Chapman's line last week was 050, 167, 100. You know what? You want to you want something to be positive about? There's uh there's some separation between that batting average and on base percentage. So we've got that. <laughs> we got you that. got that. We got that little. He took a walk or two. Um, he took. Yeah. I mean, he walked at a twelve percent clip. Um, the people at the top are the the very top is Santiago Espinal, which yeah. is shocking. What would the? I, I don't know. I don't know what any other word for it. Um, we were hoping it is. That, yeah. Yeah, it, it is like he's hitting the ball harder. It's, it's funny kind of like going into a season, you know, the, as somebody who's kind of, you know, watched sports for a long time, the whole 15 pounds of muscle thing doesn't really, you know, hold a lot of water. I feel like you hear three stories like that every, every spring training from around baseball somewhere, but it looks like it's doing something. He's hitting the ball harder. Um, he's never really had a huge contact problem or anything like that. So if you're already good at making contact and you're able to hit the ball harder when you do, good things can happen. Um, you know, it's still May. I don't know if pitchers are going to adjust to him and we're going to see you know him being attacked differently and how that changes his approach or, or his results. But... Yeah, like you said, Greg, nobody saw this. You know, I was one of the people at the beginning of the year who thought Biggio would probably have a better offensive year than than Espinal. Um, and that's certainly looking in, less likely in now. In AAA. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, my cherry pick stat, his ISO, isolated power, in 2020, when he was a defense or offensive liability, was 067. In 2021, when when he uh, you know brought his average up over 300, his isolated power was 095. This year, so far, it's 178. He has doubled his isolated power output in just one year, and he's striking out more as a result. But I mean, it it has paid off in the sense of uh, you know all those extra base hits. So right, good and on when, you, Santiago. And when you strike, like Espinal did not strike out much at all. So when you when you kind of give back some swing and miss and you're still you know striking out less than 20 percent of the time that's that's a trade i think you make if if you can yeah uh the the issue is is you cannot have of course to relate back to the whole lineup you can't Mm -hmm. have a productive offense with five guys who are below average and four of those who are literally underwater 
Now, do I think Teoscar is going to stay underwater for, you know, the, the, the rest of the year? Obviously not. Um, but how did the Blue Jays manage to spring, string together a rally? Runners in position stuff notwithstanding. If as soon as you hit the, the bottom third of the lineup, it's, it's an utter black hole. It is. And I guess, you know, I do think a lot of these guys are going to come around to some extent. You know, I'm not particularly personally worried about, um, you know, guys like Kirk, Chapman, um, Lourdes. The interesting thing is I always kind of thought it was confusing that Tapia was brought in to play a lot. Um, He's been a pretty, you know, not great offensive player over the course of, of his career. And um, yeah, I, I think he, you know, I don't under, that feels like a really kind of empty spot in, in the Jays lineup. And I don't know how much rope they're going to give him or, or how you know if they even see it that way. Because I know like I've heard Ross Atkins talk about liking what he brings in terms of he doesn't strike out much and he makes contact. Um, he just hits a lot of balls on the ground and, doesn't have yeah, much power. I, so. haven't, I haven't checked this week, but Rhino Tapia's on uh, the exit velocity was much improved, um, and, and you know among the league leaders in the first month of the season. So yeah. he was doing the right things and not getting results. But um, you know that could be it could be his uh, bad luck, and it could be his launch angle. So who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, there's you know Eric Hosmer is a guy who's hits the ball really hard, but he hits it into the ground. So it's limits his offensive upside. But, um, but yeah, uh, the Jays, like as a team, it's, I know it's hard to believe watching them, but they are a league average offense right now. Like their team weighted runs created plus is one Oh three, which is good for 15th in, in baseball. Um, yeah, it's, I think with, you know, these new baseballs, it's it's hard to hit the ball the or impact the ball the way people did last year. Um, and so I don't know how much is going to change as the weather warms up. Uh, you know, it seems like guys like Kirk have looks like they barrel it. Chapman's another one where it looks like he gets it and it just dies at the warning track or in Kirk's case, maybe a little before the warning track. But uh, yeah, uh, so I'm I don't, I don't think the Jays should be too too worried about the offense just yet and again i know i just kind of keep saying the same thing but <laughs> but literally right. well 12 uh, days ago bo bichette's average was 40 points lower and yeah you know he's he's added 40 points of batting average in 12 days to to speak to that uh were you watching the game with the whole ejection thing and i'm literally calling it the ejection thing because i i don't know what to call it i was yeah um I mean, I caught the tail end of it, but go, for the folks who weren't watching, what precipitated the madness we are about to discuss? Right. So basically, um, Yimmy Garcia gives up a three-run homer to Jim Carlos. Um, oh, that, Jimmy. Yeah, sorry. My mistake. Uh, no problem. Jimmy I'm normally Garcia, the one doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Garcia gave up a three-run homer. Um, two pitches later... He hits Josh Donaldson and the umpires get together and proceed to immediately eject him. He's pretty frustrated in this, given that if you watch the two pitches before, he was trying to pitch Donaldson inside. It seemed like he clearly just missed on like a high inside pitch. There's no warnings issued. 
you know, this is obviously frustrating for Montoyo because it's going to screw up his bullpen now. Garcia gets tossed. Montoyo comes out. He's frustrated. He gets tossed. Then Pete Walker comes out and is even more frustrated, and he gets tossed. So three, one Blue Jays player and two so, Blue Jays coaches. Uh, actually, get I don't think Montoya gets tossed in that first inning. Oh, really? Oh, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. Montoya gets to stick around. Walker gets tossed. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, Sorry. You're right. Because I think that the umpires decided that the theater would be too short if they, they <laughs> tossed Charlie Montoya right away. So they waited until the next inning. <laughs> Where yeah, there was an uh, was it a hit by pitch or was it just an inside pitch? I can't remember. Uh, oh, that, that Montoya started jogging. Yeah, Mont- no, it, I think it was just an inside pitch. And Montoya said, "Hey, why why doesn't that guy get a warning? Why doesn't he get thrown out?" And then they threw Montoya out. Yeah, yeah, it's you know what? It's it's pretty crazy. Like with it being May and the hockey playoffs being on, it's wild just seeing in these other sports what the um, the referees have to listen to and in baseball you can't even look at them the wrong way uh without without getting tossed the the kind of like position umpires have in major league baseball is just so confusing to me at this point greg like just make them wrestling heels like have them <laughs> that's i it, it feel like they're like inching towards that just make them go full wrestling heels or something because like they're they just seem to get involved in the game in in ways that doesn't really exist and or at least it feels like it doesn't exist in other sports to the same degree um and then the justification given later for tossing garcia and i mean it's shocking that we actually got a, a justification but it was because heineman and donaldson had been yakking at the plate uh and had words earlier in the in the game i don't know if it's earlier in the bat but obviously earlier in the game and the umps took it that that maybe heineman called for the pitch to, to I mean, hit donaldson if if they're gonna start paying attention to guys josh donaldson is jawing with and using that to throw people <laughs> out of the game there's gonna be no game pretty soon like yeah, everybody's yeah. gone it's, it's yeah just, just donaldson yeah. he's the only guy left in the ballpark yeah also it was a tie game it wasn't the first pitch after the home run that was given up like you know the context of the situation like garcia you know i guess technically nobody can know if you know what he actually intended but it's certainly he certainly didn't respond like he was trying to to throw at him that's for sure I'm, Nor, and the situation would not dictate he do that no i'm i'm confused by the umpires again like you said but why not full wrestling heel i'm not sure because they seem to relish not only in, in being involved but in ejecting and and uh, getting players riled up and, and getting them in their faces, there was a time, and I mean, you can you can see the supposedly banned footage of Tom Hallion uh, using a phrase I cannot uh, rightly use on this <laughs> podcast <laughs> about how much trouble and aggravation the league gives them for letting a situation you know spiral in a certain way that that yeah. you know umpires get told before the game obviously to handle things a certain way. And then they're just not doing it. And and it's not every umpire. There's lots of umpires I don't know the name of. Or someone's calling home plate, and I'm like, never heard of that guy. Oh, well, funny that. He's good. And doesn't yeah. seem to inject himself into the game. But there's, you know, between the Ron Culpas and the Angel Hernandez's and the, 
you know. Vic Carapazza. Ooh. Yeah, Vic there, copy, copy he, had, he had a run in like 2015-16 that I feel like he must have thrown 30 Blue Jays out of baseball games. Yeah. Between all of that, I feel like, yeah, there, there needs to be some better accountability among umpires. But I am probably preaching to the choir if you're listening to this podcast. So, yeah. Uh, and of course, it would happen in a Yankee stadium. Um, the idea that they they want the Yankees to do well, it's hard to shake when Yankees fans are like, that ejection was BS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Makes you wonder. Uh, you know what? You know what I'm wondering? I'm wondering what questions people have for us. And you know what? I, I'm going to come back in about 30 seconds, maybe less, and we're going to find out. And we are back. We've uh, normalized our breathing through all of our chakras. And we are prepared to open the hellscape that is Twitter and look at your questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? You, you guffawed as, if, as though you do not regularly balance your chakras. <laughs> not as of right now, but... No. Uh, I'm open. I'm open to it. Not a mid podcast um, activity for you. No, no, or or <laughs> or an any time activity at this point. But yeah. well, we're gonna work on chakras with uh, Nick before we have him back next time, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but in the meantime, <laughs> L at Ellie Hart asks, "Do you have any tidbits of hope to fill this void of sadness and despair?" Now I know you're a positive guy, Nick. So could you limit yourself to one particularly inspiring tidbit of hope? Uh, yeah, in terms of in Blue Jays world, uh, yeah, it's definitely Santiago Espinal. Uh, he's looked so good. And I mean, we were talking about him as like a, a hitter. He's probably one of their better defensive players without having like looked at the metrics. Like, you know, probably one of the metrics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's probably one of their better defensive players, too. So, I mean, he's I feel like he's found money, you know, in baseball player terms, like, uh, He's really helped this team, and it's you know, it's been great. Uh, his cat-like reflexes at third have absolutely translated to so many caught line drives at second. Second base. I am so thrilled, um, yeah, to have him out there. So that's pretty pretty freaking cool. Um, my tidbit of hope is that the Blue Jays are seventeen and fifteen, exactly where they were last year when they won ninety-one games, and the bad oh, yeah, stuff hadn't even happened yet. <laughs> and there's <laughs> and there's more uh, more playoff spots too this year. Yeah, Tyler Chatwood is not on this team. Okay, that's enough good good news for everybody. Minor leaguer at minor leaguer, uh, long time listener asked, "What are pitchers doing to Matt Chapman? How does someone who had years of 139 and 125, I'm assuming that's OPS plus or WRC plus, look so terrible at the plate at age 29?" Yeah, it's it's a good question. Like. I think some things to to note is like his career BABIP is like 290 and his BABIP now is like 220. And that's without any major changes to his batted ball profile. He's still hitting the ball really hard. Like, like on stat cast, he's 89th percentile, like hard hit percentage. Um, 
I think, and, and after even including all this, he's still on a pace that he's going to hit like 30 plus home, like 35, 30 homers. So I think there's some room for him to get a little better. You know, maybe he hits 230 instead of what's he hitting now? Like 189, 189. Yeah. So I think, I think there's, there's some, there's a little bit of luck in it, like some bad luck. Again, I, I don't know enough about the new balls and how much that's doing. He, I, he's going to swing and miss. And I think, you know, we just got to be prepared for a guy who's going to strike out, you know, near 30% of the time. That doesn't mean he can't be a good player, though, depending on what he does, the times he does hit the ball. And, you know, as, as of now, he's still he's hitting it pretty hard. He's still walking enough. There's lots of time for it to turn around. So that's kind of my my take th- on it. I think if Matt Chapman's home runs are the kind that go, you know, with the profile of one that goes into the fifth deck at uh, Skydome, um, that could be problematic for him with this ball. Um, because maybe his, he, he lofts the ball too much to get it out of your typical ballpark. Yankee Stadium, mm-hmm. ridiculous. <laughs> this last week notwithstanding. Um, yeah. But, I mean, he is still predicted to finish up as an average offensive player by most of the prediction systems, which leaves him between a two- and a three-win player, despite everything, because his defense has not, not taken a slide at all. Um, but I do not know how they are being so effective at getting him out. Minor leaguer, I'm sorry. Foul boy at Split Letters asks, hmm, what method of destruction would you choose to cleanse the earth of the blight that is the trop? I feel we get this question multiple times a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like uh, just given given the kind of like environmental situation of the world in general right now, like much of Florida, I think it's going to be flood and uh, we might not even have to do it. We yeah, we might not even have to, you know, pray to the. The gods to, to do it. Um, yeah. Just talk to Exxon Mobile Golf and Shell. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I thought, did you ever play Saints Row 4? No, no, I'm not, not a big video gamer. Uh, it was a bit of a ridiculous game. It started out as a, the, the franchise started out as like a GTA clone, and they decided the way to differentiate themselves was to get more and more ridiculous. Um, in Saints Row 4, there was a uh, singularity gun um, where you, you fired a, a bit of ammo out of it, and it created a, uh, a gravitational singularity on the map and sucked everything in that was too close to it. I think if we could build one of those, that would be like a super awesome way for the drop to go down. Because <laughs> everybody says it's a black hole and it's cursed. Well, what if it was an actual yeah. black hole? It's um, yeah. Uh, these are the thoughts that kept me out of some of the better schools. <laughs> um, Howie says, at says underscore Howie, which do you sacrifice to break the curse at the drop? A live chicken? A bucket of KFC? Or a Jays player? Do you have an answer for this, Nick? I don't think it's a Jays player. That's awkward. No, I think it might be <laughs> Brett Phillips. It, Brett Phillips might be uh, who you need to sacrifice. Notable um, two-way player, Brett Phillips? Yes, yeah. Shohei Otani Jr. Um, yeah, that or... I mean, I feel like KFC... The, the nice person in me wants to say just the bucket of KFC because... I'm not eating that anyway. Don't worry. I can bail you out. I have an alternative answer, which will work just fine. Uh, It is the Rays mascot, Stinger. Oh. I I don't think I've ever seen Stinger. I encourage you to look up 
Stinger, the Ray's mascot, because there are multiple Ray's mascots, but Stinger is a uh, anthropomorphic, somewhat anthropomorphic mm. Stingray, uh, wearing for some reason a a, base, a Ray's baseball cap with with large bug eyes um, and a face that, again, it's not quite how faces work on Stingray, but. <laughs> Notably, also in baseball pants with legs sticking out. Like, they just didn't know what to do with the bottom of the costume, so... They didn't want to pay for a full mascot suit. <laughs> so they just got they, a guy in baseball pants. They what? had baseball pants lying around, so they're like, we'll get, we'll get half of one. Am I to conclude that instead of, like, it, for safety purposes, Stinger had uh, surgery done so he can no longer swim... Uh, but his his stinger was removed and replaced with a pair of human legs because the implications are quite frightening. It's basically the Little Mermaid, except reversed, um, with the other half. Right? He's got a human yeah. bottom half and a stingray top half. Um, but you're not kidding, eh, Greg? They have like three. Ma- there's a cat mascot. <laughs> there's uh, Raymond the Ray, who is not a ray. Um, yeah, yeah they've he's, got... he's, he's made of, he looks like a sea anemone head on a fuzzy body. I don't know why that, they have lots of mascots. They have one mascot for each fan in attendance. It's, they don't just platoon on the field. They platoon <laughs> with the mascots too. <laughs> oh my goodness. <clears throat> so yes, you sacrifice that thing. Not the guy yeah. in the suit. The, the, <laughs> the thing <laughs> yeah. that it represents, whatever that is. <laughs> All right, that is all the questions we have from you. I hope we've answered them with the appropriate amount of gravity. Um, other than that on Twitter, I read... I probably shouldn't read Twitter so much. Twitter is a cesspool of politics and depression, uh, even if I've curated my timeline to be full of baseball fans. I don't know how that happened. Um, <laughs> but reading Twitter and focusing on the baseball part and then also reading articles from people like Shai Davidi and, uh, and, uh, Keegan Matheson on MLB.com. And, uh, I don't pay for the athletics, so I haven't read those articles yet, but there seems to be a, a fair amount of, um, what the heck is wrong with this teamedness percolating constantly. And I'm sure you have an opinion about that. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, I know again, it's a broken record, but, it's just so early. Um, and things things can change so quickly. I know we talked about Bichette's average going up 40 points. Like right now, J.P. Crawford is the fourth best hitter in baseball. Brandon Drury. Everyone remember Brandon Drury? Yeah, he has a 900, an over 900 OPS. We, it's just so early that to say we even know what the issues with the team are seems confusing to me because like, what are we basing that on? The 60 at-bats Teoscar Hernandez has taken, the 10 innings that any of the relievers have thrown. And and we've we've all seen seasons before, you know? Every year there's a team that's under 500 now that goes on to win 90 games. And it's just, I don't know, I just feel like every year it's the same things. And that's not to say the Jays aren't going to have problems, but... I don't know how we figure out exactly what they are this early in the season because there's just so much more noise than signal right now to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think you're uh, – I mean, it's it's fun, I guess, to, to draw conclusions. Like human beings like to draw yeah. conclusions and like to see patterns where there aren't patterns. But, I mean, if you told me that <laughs> – uh, Kevin Gossman, Alec Manoa, and and Yusei Kikuchi 
um, would be the, the three best starters in ERA on the Blue Jays. Um, I, I would be fine with that, you know, largely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, if you told me that, that Jordan Romano had 12 saves by middle of May, I would be like ecstatic about that. Um, so there, there's lots of things that have gone right. And there's a lot of things that have gone wrong. Don't get me wrong. Ju Julian Merriweather is one of those is now in the minors because, you know, uh, that's, oh, how, totally. that's how things roll. Um, but at the same time, um, yeah, I, I think you just making changes wholesale is not really going to help at this point. Yeah, because I think you'd just be making them based on too little information. Um, and and again, what are what are you going to do? This is I feel like I've maybe watched like a little more baseball outside of the Jays this year. And you look at like the L.A. Dodgers bench there, you know, Billy McKinney was on the team for a while. Like it's there's no team. There's no perfect team. Um, and and I know teams might look a little better than they are or worse than they are right now. But, you know, the Yankees starting rotation still has a lot of question marks, whether it's like, you know, performance question marks or, or health question marks in the case of you know guys like Severino. And yeah, it's if you could fix the team right now, it's I wouldn't know exactly you know every okay everybody needs more pitchers but there's not a, a team in baseball that's paint by numbers right like there's not a team in baseball that wouldn't say that so yeah i i just think it's it's too early to really worry or overreact and they it gets me every year right like every year i think oh i start to worry and i remind myself it's early but i still worry sometimes anyway and it's just it, like you said it, it's human nature but what's what what the jays the jays are in i think they're in a great position um you know they still got an according to fan graphs they got a 90 percent chance of making the playoffs still um i think you know the thing that kind of uh sort of keeps me sane is the fact that they have not played a cellar dwelling team other than the Red Sox who nobody thought was a cellar yeah. dwelling team, but they weren't, you know, they weren't cellar dwelling when that happened. They, they, they have not, you know, talked about playing a last place team at this point. Um, That's right. And that, that does make a huge difference. If you want to put together a winning streak, if you can play, you know, two below 500 teams in a row uh, and line up your rotation against them, um, you can suddenly, you know, you can suddenly go from two games above 500 to eight games above 500. Uh, without oh, thinking about it too much, and and th that is the thing is the Yankees have been through a soft part of the schedule. They played Baltimore, and man, Baltimore is as soft as they ever were. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, I, I I think I think getting bent out of shape is is a popular thing to do. I'm I'm not really into it. Again, I've, I've been doing just this show for I don't know how many years. It did not look like in 2015 and 2016 that things were going to break at all the Jays way. And then, uh, you know, all of a sudden, Oh, look, they're, they're through yeah. the ALDS. <laughs> what the yeah. heck? I don't know when that yeah. happened. Um, yeah. Ne that, nonetheless, I am looking forward to them scoring nine runs a night more than once a month. That would be awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Cause again, some of these problems are like, they're league wide, like offense being down. There's a ton of, there's a ton of really good hitters right now that, you know, haven't hit their form. And I think, again, I don't know 
fact check this, but I think typically offense is down in April yep. uh, relative to other months because it's not as warm out and the ball's not moving as far and all that stuff. But um, yeah, there there's there's a lot of time and ultimately too. I mean, you know, if they do need an extra reliever or two, that's typically one of the easier things to get at the trade deadline or if they need a left-handed platoon bat that's again the things that it's possible they that could help them are, are things that seem more readily available than you know they've already got the four controllable young stars which is you know the meat <laughs> yeah. of the sandwich i think yeah indeed uh so i would uh <laughs> roll around to the time where i ask you if you have developed a final thought for our purposes um well i think uh just with the the umpire stuff uh that madison bumgarner thing was nuts and i know it's not really a new point but like yeah we talked about that, it. i think we gave out a, a do-over last week oh um, shit. that was a week ago already oh god um yeah no you know what I, I i guess then another baseball final thought that is you know shohei otani pitched yesterday today and you know he pitched great and i just i really don't want I think in people talked about in basketball how like LeBron James should be the MVP every year, but he doesn't get it because he's just so consistent that people's expectations of him have been raised. And I, I, I think we could see that with Shohei Otani. Um, he's, well, if, if Mike Trout keeps hitting like he is right now, um, <laughs> there's yeah. a whole other issue. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. They're both on the same team, but I just I, I the idea of Otani playing at this level for the next five to six years, um, I don't think it's impossible. And I know there's more injury risk with being a two way player and all that, but um yeah, I think we might be at the beginning of just something like insanely special in terms of in terms of baseball. Well yeah, ba- Babe Ruth eventually quit the pitching, so if Otani doesn't, it is it is quite the accomplishment, especially with the, the DH rules where they are now. Because he doesn't have to worry about those games in NL parks. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, it's interesting to think about Otani and Trout on the same team. And right now, it looks like the Angels are are going to actually be playoff bound, potentially. But think think of how bad it's been in that situation in California. <laughs> oh, so I'm, I'm skeptical. I know I've been saying I'm optimistic. I, I feel like I've seen the Angels do too many, stutter too many times to to believe just yet where although I'd, i would love there would be nothing would be better than having that team in the playoffs because of because of those two um my final thought is a completely different sort of spin is uh i think we've seen the death of the 100 pitch start it was it was quietly not announced by anyone but um <laughs> there's only been a, a a handful of 100 pitch starts justin verlander 89 pitches going into the eighth inning this is Justin Verlander, who threw 258 innings before he got injured like three years ago. Um, it was summarily pulled with a lead with only with less than 100 pitches thrown. Um, the only time we've you know regularly seen is when a guy is, is going for a no-hitter, and we've seen a, a combined no-hitter again because we're not pushing pitchers. So 90 is the new 100. Can you imagine how offended Roy Halladay would be at this whole thing? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Although I'd be curious to know, and I don't know enough about pitching to to say this with any kind of, this is 
speculation or asking questions. Do you think Roy Halladay would have pitched past when, when did he retire? Like 34? Like, would he have been able to pitch longer if he wasn't basically being the mad workhorse that he was? Because um, I think ultimately, as much as it's kind of, are you are you upset about the death of the hundred pitch start or? Um, I am. I, I feel like the game has obviously it continues to change and evolve. Uh, I just feel like the game keeps getting harder on hitters, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not suggesting artificially, you know, putting something out there to keep pitchers in the game longer. But if you if you are attempting to help offenses and bring excitement to the game with rule changes or ball changes or, you know, dimension changes, I, I it's clear that teams are exactly opposed to that, right? Because the, the whole point yeah. is you think you have a guy in the bullpen for the next 10 pitches who can outdo the guy who is on the mound, regardless of how well he's been doing up to that point. You think you can, you can do better calling another guy in, which, I mean, the, the rule wouldn't be number of pitches to change. It would be number of guys in the bullpen, right? Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then how they they were used would have to change too but yeah i i think ultimately if it's gonna keep pitchers healthier that's probably a net I, positive but so this is my yeah. final final thought we talked to mike son a long time ago and uh, or i think it was mike son or it was a compatriot of his it was a, an analyst uh looking at pitching fatigue and he said mm-hmm. why 100 pitches and we were like, uh, I don't know, 100 pitches is, you know, he goes, because it's a round number. That's why 100 pitches. He goes, do you know when performance and, and consistency actually start to degrade to for an average pitcher? We're like, well, I have no idea. He goes, 70 pitches. Oh, wow. So those 30 pitches being quality was always a myth. So teams are just shaving off some of those pitches and handing them to a fresh guy. Yeah. And speaking of fresh guy, uh, that's <laughs> you, Nick Dyka, who you can find on Twitter at Nick Dyka. Uh, and of course, I was uh, Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. And this, this was Artificial Turf Wars episode number 235. And we will talk at you next week. Mm-hmm.